of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Angels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're locked in with your host, Brent McGuire. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way that we talk about sports. All right, everybody, it is Friday. That means it is our usual Friday fan mail bag. So we're going to dive into all of your questions. But before we do that, as usual, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at BMAGS94, the podcast at Locked On Angels. You can find my written work at Crashing the Pearly Gates. And if you've not done so already, make sure to download, subscribe, rate, and review the Locked On Angels podcast wherever you get your podcast from. So happy Friday. Hope you are doing well. Don't want to waste too much time up front. We do have a lot of questions today. And as usual, very much appreciative of everybody sending in questions. I genuinely mean it when I say that this is my favorite day to record one If I'm being honest, it makes my job a little bit easier because I have questions to just answer. But really, more importantly, it's fun to connect with the fans. I really like the questions that I get every week. Uh, It just makes you think outside the box a little bit, and I really do appreciate everybody sending these in. So before we do that, I just have to point out that Shohei Otani is on the mound tonight in Arizona for the start of a three-game series. Obviously, must-watch TV. We're going to see him doing the two-way thing because it's an NL game on the road. So definitely tune into that. I don't think you needed me to tell you that though. With that being said, let's dive into all of these questions. First one is from Michael asking, how do you think Shohei Otani with hitting coach Jeremy Reed can adjust to pitchers having success against him with off-speed pitches low and away specifically on changeups? This is a great question, Michael. This is definitely his biggest weak spot that being said if you go look at the numbers and you see what he's done against these specific pitches over the last few years he's actually improved a little bit if you go back to his rookie season in 2018 he did a good job against off-speed pitches that year he slugged 490 but that number dropped to 289 in 2019 it was down to 261 in 2020 this year it's back up to 439. So that is definitely a respectable figure, especially when you consider that he's slugging 514 against breaking balls and 742 against fastballs. And then you go look at the specific zones themselves. I mean, it's hard to compare it to last year just because, well, last year was not a great year for Shohei Otani, but he does a pretty decent job against those pitches low and away Uh, when you mix in the changeup, when you mix in the off-speed pitches, it looks a little bit worse. But my thought on this is if pitchers can only really attack Otani in one zone, one small part of the zone low and away, that's not too bad. I mean, that is very reminiscent to Mike Trout where it used to be, or maybe still is a little bit, you can maybe attack him with that elevated fastball, but that gives you such a small margin for error. So if a pitcher is trying to hit that spot with a changeup low and away, he's got to hit his spot. Otherwise, that's a changeup that's in the middle of the zone, and that's something Otani can do damage on. And quite frankly, I think he has done a better job of this. I actually don't necessarily have 
the numbers right in front of me, but if we're talking about seeing him take those pitches the other way, that is something we've started to see more often. But when Otani is going bad, which has not been all that often this year, pitchers definitely attack him low and away where he's a little out in front. His swing is a little bit out of whack, but quite frankly, the rest of Otani's skill set is so strong that I wouldn't worry too much about it just because he's absolutely crushing literally every other kind of pitch in any spot in the zone. Next question is from Halo Sizen asking, who are your favorite offseason free agent targets for the Angels? Won't dive into all of the guys. I'll give you a couple of hitters and pitchers that I kind of like. Trevor Story, uh, Corey Seager are the top guys I'm looking at. At shortstop, I think you can make a good argument for Carlos Correa potentially being in there. I like Javi Baez a lot as a player. I think he's super exciting, very energetic. I am concerned about the approach at the plate. He's already a guy that's basically striking out six times for every walk that he has. And once those athletic uh, skills start to fade off a little bit, there is some cause for concern. I like Trevor Story. I'm not too worried about the Colorado effect on him. I think once you put him in a more neutral park, uh, he's going to be fine. There is a big penalty for Coors Field hitters once they go on the road because of the change in elevation. So I really like Trevor Story. I think the skills are through the roof. I think he does everything well. He's got the numbers. He's got the athleticism. He's been very durable, and I'm really a big fan of what he brings to the table. As far as pitchers go, it's a really interesting class. I'm looking, I'm kind of zoning in on those four veteran pitchers, those guys that are going to be most likely future Hall of Famers. Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Zach Grinke, Justin Verlander. If I had to pick in that order, I'd go Scherzer, Kershaw, probably Grinky, and then Verlander just because there's a little uncertainty around Verlander. But yeah, I really like Max Scherzer. I won't spend too much time talking about him because we do have a question about him later on. So I think those would be my guys. Kevin Gossman would probably be the best case scenario, but based on the way he's pitching right now, I think he's going to be that much more expensive, and I'm not really convinced that he's actually going to leave San Francisco based on the resurgence that he's had there. So those are kind of my guys that I'm looking at. Next question is from Bucky asking, considering his injury history, how long until the Angels move Trout from center field, and where's the best place for him to go? So before I answer this question, I just want to make it clear that I think Mike Trout is the best player in baseball, just going to go down as one of the best of all time. And there's no question about that. With that being said, Trout's defense has not been as great over the last few years, and he has been more injury prone. I don't think it is too early to ask what is the best thing for him and the Angels. There's no doubt that playing every single day in center field is going to put more wear and tear on your body. It's not to say that if you move him to right field, that all of his problems are going to go away in terms of injuries. But it does make his life a lot easier when he's not covering as much ground out in center field. And looking at the timeline right now, it's kind of perfect. I'm My guess is he's going to finish off the year here. I, I don't think that's going to change this year. But Brandon Marsh could be ready at some point this year or next year. Jordan Adams is not that far behind. These are some really 
talented defensive center fielders who, quite frankly, could be better than Mike Trout defensively as of right now. So you're looking for all of these different elements coming together. It's right there for the Angels to do it. Now, are they actually going to do it? I'm not sure. It's a very hard sell for a guy that is the franchise cornerstone, the best player in franchise history. It's not an easy ask to say, hey, we're not quite sure this is going to work out anymore. Can you uh, move over to right field so we can bring up this prospect? I'm curious to see what's going to happen. It is really nice to know that when Trout was coming up, Torrey Hunter was kind of moving over into a different position. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I do think it's kind of time to start having that conversation. And it's a little crazy, but I don't think it's too early to explore that. Next question is from Goaded Kobe. He's got two questions. Uh, best bullpen options for the Angels this offseason. Let's address that one first. I'm not sure what direction the Angels are going to go with their bullpen. I mean, quite frankly, I'm not sure what the free agent class is going to look like just because relievers are volatile as a whole. It's hard to predict what they're going to do. So I think our idea of who's going to be the best free agent right now is definitely going to change as the season goes along. But I do think if I'm going to answer this question, I think you got to think about how the Angels have constructed their bullpens in recent years and maybe have a slight shift in what they're kind of going for. Again, bullpens are very volatile and they're hard to build. At the same time, the Angels have not really spent all that much money on relievers. Rice Iglesias was kind of one of the rarities to go out and spend money on a guy uh, via trade. So yeah, definitely curious to see what the Angels end up doing. The bullpen has been a little bit better recently. I still think as a whole, it's definitely a weakness for the team. But yeah, I would ask this question again later on in the season, see where my stance is because a lot can happen between now and then. And the next question uh, from Go to Kobe is, is the goose loose? Obviously talking about Phil Gosselin, uh, based on the broadcast and Darren Sutton, Mark Gubisa, I would say yes, that he is. But I've got to say that Phil Gosselin has done a pretty decent job of filling in this year. I mean, he was getting a lot of playing time and he's doing a decent job. Not a great job, not a fantastic job, but also he's kind of just doing what he needs to do. So definitely been one of the bigger surprises of the season so far. Next question is from Carlos asking, do you see us as buyers or sellers if we're around 500 at the deadline? Great question kind of goes into everything that we have talked about this week. I have been on the record of saying that if the Angels are around 500 and Mike Trout gets back, that this could get really interesting. Now, it's going to depend on where the rest of the league is at. If the rest of the division is looking like it's not going to be attainable, if the Angels are something like 10 games back or something, then maybe you explore selling. But if they're close enough, I I don't necessarily see as much upside with some of the trades that they can make this year with the guys that they have. Because part of the reason they're below 500 right now is because of the underperformances from guys who are going to end up hitting free agency uh, after this season. Whether that is Dylan Bundy or a guy like Kurt Suzuki, some of the bullpen guys, uh, even Andrew Heaney maybe at times. So I'm not sure how much value is there. 
And if the Angels are close enough, I definitely think there's an argument to be made that they should go for it. That doesn't mean they have to completely dump the farm. But if there are some guys that are out there that can help the team and the Angels can stay in it, I would definitely advise them to go that route. I think the Angels, it's been too long since they've been playing some meaningful baseball late into the season. I don't necessarily see the upside in them selling off unless they can get an absolute haul back for some of their guys. We're going to take our first break of the episode. When we get back, we're going to answer more of your questions. But first, let me tell you about Sports Trade. If you haven't heard about it, Sports Trade is where fantasy sports meets the stock market. It's no wonder that this company is blowing up. The site is really amazing. Frankly, can't believe that nobody has been talking about this concept before as Sports Trade truly takes fantasy to the next level. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players just like real stocks. It's a fair and super exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And they just added baseball to the platform. So check it out today. Simply go to sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new way, new world of sports trading. Again, that's at sportstrade.com to get in on the action. So let's get back into our questions. Once again, big thank you to everybody for sending these in. Next question is from James asking, do you think we will see Joe Adele in the majors this season? And What do you think his timetable is? Uh, yes, he's definitely going to be up this year. As far as when that's going to be, I'm not quite sure. This kind of ties into another question that we got uh, in our mailback through um, from somebody else. Hold on, I'm pulling up the name right now. This is also from James. So I guess I can tie both of these questions in at the same time. Uh, he says, Joe Adele appears to be cutting down on his strikeout rate. The last couple of weeks, the OBP is still a little bit low. But uh, is him being down there meaning that they want to see something fixed? Do you think there's a chance that he's called up soon? Or are they wanting to see more of this improvement. So I'm just tying in both of these questions together. A lot of good stuff here. It's a very hard situation to gauge because Joe Adele struggled mightily last year. Everybody listening to this knows that. Everybody was so excited about what he was possibly going to bring to the major leagues, and he just fell flat on his face. I mean, he was the worst player in the major leagues that received 100 plate appearances or so, and it was a full-blown nightmare. As we've talked about on the show, a lot of circumstances were not necessarily working in his favor. He probably needed more time in AAA. He didn't have a minor league season to go and do so. He was kind of chilling at the alternate site and then was basically called up. He still needed more work. The Angels felt like the best place for him to do so was in the majors. It didn't work. We're seeing some strong production this year. We are seeing that power that scouts have really liked about him, that skill that could potentially make him a star in the major leagues. That being said, the strikeout rate, which James mentioned, is important to keep an eye on. When you're striking out 30% of the time in AAA, that's a high number. But as James mentioned, that strikeout rate has been coming down a little bit over the last few weeks. It has come with a cost, there have been fewer walks during that time, 
but fewer strikeouts and the same power is definitely a good combination. So I don't know when he's going to get called up. The Angels are getting some pretty decent production from Taylor Ward right now. You don't necessarily want to say, hey, we're going to call up Adele right now and because if, if you run the risk of him doing what he did last year, but at some point the Angels are going to kind of have to bite the bullet on this, call him up, and see what they can do. So I think my answer to this is ask me again in a month to see when that might happen because the Angels are playing good baseball right now. I don't think they want to take that risk by plugging Adele in every single day. I think if the season is maybe falling away from them, they're going to give Joe Adele basically every day at bats. If they stay in it for much of the year, I maybe he gets called up uh, in a couple of months. I'm not quite sure. It's a really tough situation to handle, and I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. Next question. Uh, let's go down the list. We've got one from Luke asking, uh, who is your favorite pitching prospect that isn't talked about very much? So I think the first obvious guy that you're going to think of is, I always butcher his name, uh, Jack. Let's call him Jack K because I can never pronounce it right. I think fans know who I'm talking about is with the Inland Empire 66ers this year. There's definitely a lot to like about him. He's got a pretty strong mix of pitches, throw strikes, and has an athletic build that you kind of uh, are looking for with a pitching prospect. But he is one of their top 10 pitching prospects, so maybe not the guy that you're looking for. There are some guys in the minor leagues right now that are doing pretty well. One guy is Davis Daniel with uh, the... He's playing in high A ball, is having a strong season right now. I think Packy Naughton is an interesting arm up in AAA for the Angels. He might be a guy that gets some MLB time this year. Some other guys down in the lower minors, I mean, Connor Higgins has some interesting stuff. Uh, and that's kind of, for me, that's where I stand with the list. I am not as familiar with the lower minors and arms. I would have to research a little bit more, and that's definitely something I've tried to work on. Um, I think a lot of the talent is really consolidated in the very top of the minor leagues for the Angels in those potential stars, Brandon Marsh, Jordan Adams. You can throw Reed Detmers into the mix, but if there's a guy that I'm kind of looking for. Keep an eye on Davis Daniel. He's got some interesting stuff. He is a little bit older for his level, but there is some interesting production going on with him this year. Next question is from Mason asking, should we trade away Stassi or is he our long-term catcher? So I definitely don't think trading him is the smart move right now. I'm also not sure if I want to say that he's the long-term catcher given all of the the uh, the red flags around him. He's missed a lot of time with injuries. He's had multiple hip surgeries. He's on the wrong side of 30. The track record is not necessarily as long, but it's hard to look at that production and not be excited about it. This is a smaller sample. Granted, we're only talking about 49 games, but going back to last year, Max Stassi is hitting 303, 370, 570. His 155 weighted runs created plus is the second best mark among any catcher that has gotten at least 150 plate appearances. Do I think that Max Stassi is going to be the, the second best hitting catcher in baseball moving forward? No, not necessarily. Do I think he's a potentially 
good offensive catcher that provides really strong framing behind the plate? Yeah. So you look at what he can potentially do in something resembling a full season. He could legitimately be one of the best catchers in baseball, but that it's a big if because we're talking about a guy that hasn't played that many games in a single season in his career. So it makes for an interesting guy to kind of evaluate just because he hasn't been out there as much, but when he has been over the last year and a half or so, he's been awesome. So I, I'm definitely not trading Max Stassi. He's actually a guy I might look to potentially extend on a maybe a shorter uh, type of deal. But yeah, definitely a guy that I think the Angels should keep around, especially considering where the Angels are at with catching prospects in the upper minors. Next question is from Jordan asking, why is Garrett Anderson the greatest and why are Bally Sports West cowards for not having him on every night? So I, I've got to say, I think the the player nights that they, they've been doing, uh, if you're not familiar, Bally Sports West has been bringing on former Angels players. We had Bobby Gritch for the first one. We just had Garrett Anderson on the other night. So you basically have a booth of Jose Moda, Mark Gubiza, and then a former Angels player. And I definitely have found them to be interesting and engaging. I'm not going to say that Anderson or Gritch necessarily stood out with their commentary on the specific game or that they brought something extra to the booth. What I will say is I do think it's a nice twist and something that for a sport that plays 162 games, it's nice to change it up every once in a while. For the Angels to do this, maybe once every couple weeks, bring on a former player, give you a different insight, a different look at the game. I definitely think that's beneficial for everybody involved. So I would definitely like to see this happen a little bit more often. Next question is from Bruce asking, what's your take on the likelihood that Quintana returns to the rotation once he's healthy? So baseball has a funny way of working itself out. I think by the time Quintana is ready to go again, there is a decent chance that somebody else is going to get hurt. So he's going to slide in. If that doesn't happen, if the Angels are fully healthy when he comes back, I'm putting him in the bullpen. I'm looking at what Patrick Sandoval has been doing, especially in his last start. And if you're trying to look for the guy that is potentially better right now and has a better long-term prognosis for your organization, Patrick Sandoval is your guy. So I am not bumping him from the rotation. I would actually like to see Quintana on the bullpen just because we have seen glimpses of him being pretty good in one to two inning stints. He just has that blow up inning. It feels like every single game. So I would maybe plug him into the bullpen, have him be the multi-inning reliever that maybe you can utilize with Chris Rodriguez back there. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm not, I'm not thinking he's coming back into the rotation uh, if everybody's fully healthy. And our last question from, we've got Cy Bindi asking, how much longer can Perry and Joe justify Kurt Suzuki being on this team with Matt Thice catching in AAA, probably equally as bad as Kurt Suzuki, admittedly, and raking. When will a change be made to the backup catcher position? Great question. Fun one to finish on. Kurt Suzuki has been awful this year. There is no other way around it. He's been really bad offensively, really bad defensively, and I honestly, at this point, I do think he's a DFA candidate or a 
a guy that you try to jump off for something. He's just been really bad all the way around. And for a team that really needs strong catching behind the plate to kind of help their pitching woes, Suzuki has certainly not helped. The problem is who you replace him with. Feist maybe is a better option. I'm not quite sure. Uh, The fact that he's a lefty actually makes it a little bit more interesting because maybe you can try to platoon them a little bit. But the reports about Thice's defense, they're they're okay. The offense has been nice. I'm not sure if the Angels are playing competitive baseball the way that they are right now that you are ready for the Matt Thice experiment. At the same time, Kurt Suzuki has been so bad back there that every time he's starting, it's giving their, the Angels a, a less of a chance to win the game. So I would probably just be active on maybe the waiver wire, maybe look at teams that are potentially going to be selling. Maybe you make a move for a catcher. He doesn't have to be a standout guy, but somebody that can really maybe just hold the fort down when they're in the game. And based on what we just talked about with Max Stassi's injuries, that's paramount because we saw what happened when Stassi was out, Kurt Suzuki was plugged in every day, and it was a disaster at the catching position. So I definitely think... This is something the Angels need to be aware of and have to be kind of on that market looking for a catcher. We're going to take our final break of the episode. Let me tell you about Fully Loaded Chew. This episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. This is a tobacco-free, long-cut pouch that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without the tobacco. Available in nine flavors Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. So make sure to go to FullyLoadedChew.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll receive your Fully Loaded Chew for just $1, and you'll get free shipping. Again, that's a can for $1 and free shipping with the code Locked On at checkout. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market right now. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, including coconut almond, raspberry, and my personal favorite, mint brownie. But most importantly, Built Bars are healthy. They are great for the health conscious guy or gal. They have tons of protein. They're low in calories, low in sugar, and low in net carbs. So if you go to BuiltBar.com, and use the promo code locked on 15 you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, that's promo code locked on 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. So let's wrap up today's episode. Once again, a big thank you to everybody for sending questions in. I really, truly appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun doing these uh, mailbags on Fridays. In terms of what's coming this weekend, look, we talked about it a lot this week. The Angels are winning the games that they need to win right now. They are 11-5 and in their last 16. They're just two games under 500, and they're about to play the worst team in baseball. The Arizona Diamondbacks are 20-43. and This is a chance for the Angels to get themselves over 500 for the first time in quite some time. That's a big deal. The Angels need to start winning uh, more and more of these games, especially as the schedule gets a little bit tougher coming up. 
But I believe that's all I got for today's episode. So as always, thank you for joining. Stay safe out there. Have a great weekend, and we will talk some Angels baseball on Monday. This episode was brought to you by the Locked On Today podcast. Get all of the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Your host, Peter Bukowski, updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. So make sure to follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast from.